This week's episode of Soundtracking is brought to you in association with The White Company. Our latest guest may be German, but he's clearly something of an Anglophile, having made a Bond film, the Peter Pan-inspired Finding Neverland, and now a new take on the British cultural institution that is Winnie the Pooh. Perhaps most importantly, Mark Forster is a total audiophile too. Mark's Christopher Robin is a delightful live-action addition to the Disney franchise with Ewan McGregor in the leading role and Jim Cummings, Toby Jones and Sophie Okonedo amongst those providing the animal voices. It also features three original tunes by Richard Sherman, the legendary Disney songwriter, of which much more shortly. Before then, a quick word about our friends at The White Company. Now, we all lead very busy lives and I, for one, really appreciate a good night's sleep, what with being a working mum who's always got plenty on the go. The White Company has years of experience in crafting bed linen and more to help us achieve just that. Think of them as your own personal sleep experts. They've now launched a brand new range of products to help you achieve the best sleep possible. It's not simply cosy engulfing bed linen and nightwear, but naturally infused sleep remedies too, which I've genuinely found helpful in steering me towards a peaceful and restorative night's sleep. To find out more, head to thewhitecompany.com or pop into one of their stores. Sleep better, feel better, live better with The White Company. Now, Christopher Robin is dedicated to composer Johan Johansson, who had already started scoring the film when he passed away so unexpectedly at the age of 48. So, at the 11th hour, John Bryan and Jeff Zanelli stepped in, and it's with their very first cue that we begin, Storybook, which accompanies a gorgeous opening credit sequence comprising sketches by poor illustrator E.H. Shepherd. Mark, welcome to Soundtrack and thank you so much for being here. I just said I've just come out of seeing your brand new film. Congratulations. Oh, thank I you so much. It. I'm so glad that I you loved it. To it. I loved it. And we start with music, you know, of these beautiful uh, little animated pencil drawings of that world. And was that an easy thing to decide upon? Yes, I, I wanted, you know, I was inspired by the shepherd drawings. And ultimately, when we created them, it was to, I was thinking a lot, how should that first sound should sound like or that the first note drawings are so simple and emotional and beautiful as I was would be important to have a very simple tune just simplicity go straight into, basically from that tune, into the first Richard Sherman song. Goodbye, farewell, be on your merry way, we are going to miss you. 
single day. So long, adieu, ta-ta and toodaloo. On my merry way, I'll always think of you. On land, or sand, or gravel. Or where the roads we travel unravel. It's more fun with two, it's always me and you. And together, we will stay. Through warm or stormy weather, we'll always be together forever. For within my heart, if we should ever part, we'll be never far away from each other. We'll be never far away. You know, whoever that doesn't know who Richard Sherman is, <laughs> they're the Sherman brothers who wrote literally for Walt Disney since the 1950s. Yeah. All the great, great songs for them. And he's 90 years old now. Wow. So I, I said, I need, you know, because he did all the Winnie the Pooh songs. Yeah. And he said, I read the script, I like the script, and I will, I will do the song. So I was on set, and I was driving home from, from set, and suddenly my phone rang, and I, I couldn't recognize him. I picked it up and said, hey, Mark, it's Richard Sherman. Wow. And it's like a week later, after he said he would do it, in, in a week, he said, I, I wrote some songs for you. I said, oh, songs? I thought I, just, I was happy to get one, because he's <laughs> 90. Yeah. And then he said, no, no, I wrote you three. Uh, let me play them for you. And I had him on my phone, and then I said, uh, put it on speaker, and then he suddenly started playing live on his piano at home. Oh my Put the gosh. phone next to the piano and started singing and playing the piano. So after the second song he started playing, I was like bawling. <laughs> and, 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 and I said, I have to record this. I have to record the songs right now. So, so I said, Richard, I didn't hear it while my phone was breaking up. Can you play them again? So at that point, I, I recorded them on my cell phone. Dum, 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 dum. I'm busy, busy, busy doing nothing. Doing nothing, that's the life for me. For when I'm doing nothing, I'm busy doing something, something that suits me to a T. Because I'm busy, busy doing nothing. 
I find I never find the time to rest. Being busy doing nothing, I'm busy doing something. Doing nothing is the something I do best. Have that authenticity is a wonderful addition because it has got a beautiful score working both with John Bryan and Jefferson Ellie as well. There's some really beautiful moments in the use of voice as well in a particular moment within the film which I found really powerful. To kind of marry these things together, was that an easy thing to do? No, it, 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 the score definitely was very, very hard in this movie because I started working with Johan Johansson yeah. who tragically passed. He wrote a couple of cues already and then passed away. So then it took me a moment because I, 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 he was just a wonderful mm. human being and what a great artist. Yeah. So after that, I took a moment uh, to reflect and then I found uh, John Bryan, but we had a very little time left. Yeah. So John started to, to write some music and some really fantastic cues. But as in the writing process, I realized we are approaching our release date and our, our deadline yeah. that uh, he wouldn't be able to finish everything we needed to, yeah. to get done. So then we brought Jeff in and then and it was a combination between John and collaboration with Jeff yeah. to get it all done. You know, unfortunately, we weren't able to have Johan on the show before he passed, but we've talked about him so many times with other people that he's worked with, be it Garth Davis or, mm. or uh, Denis Villeneuve and, mm. and various other people as well. And, and it's wonderful to be able to continue talking about his music and and uh, and what a wonderful artist he was. But that's an amazing situation to be put into. But when you listen to the film, it's it's stunning. It really is. Oh, thank you so much. You know, it's interesting you pointed out the voice. It was at the at the beginning when in the first opening montage, so where where we go through the chapters of his life, and, yeah. and as Christopher Robin leaves Hundred Acre Woods to become a, a grown up, and there's uh, this moment where he goes to boarding school where uh, we introduce some of the this uh, boys choir, mm. which I thought uh, have had this sort of uh, like haunting quality to it too. thing because you know on one hand the movie is for kids but it's also for grown-ups and I didn't want the score to feel too kid-like yeah still has a very sophistication mm. and also as a bit of a nostalgia because ultimately when we hear Pooh speak which is the voice of Jim Cumming oh. which gives you the sort of this warm blanket and brings <laughs> you back to your childhood yeah. but at the same time I wanted to ha uh, I feel like yes that grown-ups will identify mm. with that but I still wanted to have the appeal that also kids yeah. because ultimately my daughter indirectly inspired me to do make the movie. Really? Yes, we were like on a flight together and she's watching on the iPad that's a poo cartoon and then she suddenly turned to me and said, you do a movie for me or for kids? It's like, I, I can't watch any of your movies. <laughs> <laughs> and she was six at the time and I said, yeah, why don't we make poo? As, as a little joke. And she looked at, yeah, why do you make poo? And I said, you know, but poo, I said, is if you would make Pooh as a live action movie, yes, it's for kids and mm. all the kids love this lovely bear, but it's also for grown ups because you have all these Poohisms and these wonderful things Milne created, yeah. what Pooh says, which have such a childlike but have so much wisdom. Yeah. Mm. 
I think that the way that you've captured the characters as well, you know, the cuddly toys mm. as, as you know as, as they are, is wonderful. And I mean, I kind of came out of the film thinking, how on earth did you do it? Because the relationship between, you know, the the human actors and these creatures is is beautiful. It really is, and it's seamless as well. Even you know, there's the one scene where where they're on the hill and and, and Ewan's hugging Pooh, and it's a really really touching moment. And you know, you feel you're, you're welling up watching it sort of thing, and you you feel the realness of that emotion between those two characters. You know, stepping away from music slightly, but how did you do that? How did you create those characters and 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 film that? You, you know, I want to make sure that. Uh their characters are very well loved characters mm. that have this sort of vintage use uh, use feel that they're yeah. not like brand new toys off the shelf and that Chris Rob hugged them and loved them and in in those m moments uh, you know so I had I made a real bear and we handcrafted him that he feels that way and looks that way exactly mm. how you see him in the movie and then Ewan basically uh, we do a reference pass that's how we called it that we I blocked it with a real bear we shoot it Ewan can interact with the bear and see him mm. and then after that the bear is removed and Ewan uh, as Chris Robin acts towards air Wow. And uh, and he makes you believe the bear is there. In the moments when he interacts and hugs him, it's it's a basically sort of a, a a gray silhouette of the original bear, which has no fur on it and is basically that animators can take him out, yeah, or reanimate him. And you know, talking about though the 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 these the animals and as we are talking about score you know what the other mo very important thing was the sound design and the sound of these animals. Yeah. And there's one you know versus a lot of other Disney films, there's really not that many songs in it. Uh, there's really only at the beginning, and then there's Tigger has a little Tigger song, <laughs> yeah. which which is very, very, yeah. I think, is the, is the original song, yeah. which uh, works pretty well. But we I needed to come up with these, all these animals have their little sounds, like Tigger's tail, the spring was yeah. very important. It doesn't sound too cartoonish, mm -hmm. which all folds in again into the score, into the sound design of the film overall, mm -hmm. that you feel like you still want to make it kids friendly and not but at the same time you don't want to make it cartoonish you yeah. don't make it too silly because but you still want to make connect emotionally because the sound design and the score had to like be hand in hand oh, i do like a party Mom, what should happen if you forget about me silly old bear i won't ever forget about you Pooh. i promise not even when i'm a hundred we should be working this weekend robin but I, I promised my wife and daughter I'd take them away this weekend. All hands on deck. You won't be coming to the cottage. Well, it can't be helped. Your life is happening now, right in front of you. What to do, what to do, what to do. What to do indeed. Who? Christopher Robin. No. The tree I remember was in the countryside, not here in London. There's no opening. I suppose it's where it needs to be. That's a silly explanation. Why, thank you. Pooh, why are you here? Oh, yes, I need your help. I've lost all of my friends. Let's get to the bottom of this. Look up, Pooh, here I come. Uh, oh. It would appear that I am stuck. Have you just eaten honey? I have not just eaten honey. I wonder which way. I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I have been. Do you? That's the way I do it. Hello, Eeyore. Christopher Robin, it's you playing again. <laughs> Let's go and see if we can find Piglet. I've already stayed far too long. 
Hello, everyone. <laughs> so nice to see you all again. Why, thank you. Silly old bear. I was wrong about work. I was wrong about everything, and I've got to get back to my family. Farewell, Christopher Robin. I would have liked it to go on for a while longer. Perhaps it's our turn to save Christopher. You must be Madeline. Wait, you're the bearer of my father's drawings? Yes. Do you know where he is? I do. <laughs> Let's bounce! And it's beautiful as well, that scene where Pooh comes to meet Christopher Robin and he's kind of going, I've lost it, I'm going, and he just puts his finger out to touch Pooh and it's it's such a beautiful little moment. And then when they go back to 100 Acre Wood and they're walking for the first time together in the sunshine when the fog has cleared, it's so beautifully shot through lavender and through all these beautiful mm. kind of through nature sort of thing. It's absolutely stunning, really, really you, is. You know what's in interesting? When you mentioned that, that moment you loved about Pooh and the Log, there's the end scene when they find they're on the log again in regard to the musical approach because I, again, wanted to have it very simple mm. that, that they find each other. Mm. And we wrote the, a piece of music that was just simple, just a, a piano and, and then the credits come up. But then we realized it's somehow, I felt these great classic Disney movies I grew up with and I loved. They always had these swelling scores. And I thought that's the great thing about it because as a sensibility, as a filmmaker, I said, oh, less is more yeah. in, in approach to acting, score, and, and, and many things. But I felt like, no, we have to go here and swell it up. Yeah, <laughs> let's go there. And, 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 and bring out the orchestra <laughs> full on yeah. and, 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 and make it bigger, the bigger, the better. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I watched it yesterday at the premiere and I, at the end, I started swelling up. I suddenly caught myself be, be getting emotional. Oh. And I said, I'm so glad I did that because I was going back and forth. Because like in a film which, you know, is also this magic realism is in Finding Neverland where Jan Kaczmarek wrote a great score he won an Oscar for. Yeah. At the end there, it's Johnny Depp and Freddie Heimer on the bench and it's a very low keys. It's we just like, it's very low key. It's just a piano and we and the, and the credits started with a piano and for that film it worked. Yeah. But here we're dealing with Pooh, who's larger than life. Yeah. So we, we can go big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you got you got Disney at your fingertips. You go there. You have to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you totally. have to Disney at your fingertips. You go there. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. It's, it, it wouldn't be right if you don't. Yeah. So I was I was glad I made that decision when I saw it yesterday with an audience. I said that's that was a good good mm -hmm. way to go. Does your daughter love the film? 
Yes, she did. She yeah. approved. Good. <laughs> It's lovely you mention um, Finding Neverland because I, I kind of, you know, going through your, your other work as well, which is what I love about you as a, direct, a director is like the versatility, you know, you kind of, you love to, tr to do different things and I think that's such a healthy place to be and I, I rewatched Stranger Than Fiction last night, which I absolutely love as a film. I haven't watched it in a long time and my husband and I sat down and watched it again and, and so many emotions through that film as well and the music's quite particular in that film there's not yeah. a lot of music you, you know interesting enough i didn't work as a composer there yeah. most <clears throat> most of the music was written by uh, spoon the yeah. band who we love yes I think you were the first person to use that particular piece. I, I used Max Richter in the movie before as well on Stay. Yeah. Uh, because and at that time nobody really used him at all. Yeah. So he then became suddenly very popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and that particular piece of music as well, which has been used kind of you know quite a number of times as well. What is it about Max's work that that resonates with you and that you've? Again, it goes back to the sort of minimalistic kind of approach of, and in regard to score and I just think he evokes emotion with very little yeah and and you just feel engaged and he does that brilliantly and so I'm a big fan mm.
film there's just the great point where Will's character he only knows one song on the guitar. Was that particular track written into the script or was no, that? No, that, that particular track uh, what was what? in the script. I actually changed it to Re Re that Reckless Re Re Eric, Eric yeah. piece. And I felt, when, because the thing is first where Will couldn't play the guitar, uh, the piece that was there before was very complicated to play. Uh, the Reckless Eric piece is basically like three chords. chords. Yes, <laughs> so, so he could learn it very quickly <laughs> yeah. and could play it very quickly. And, and I felt like there are only four times he meet Will Ferrell and Maggie Gyllenhaal meet until that moment mm -hmm. that they fall in love. So the song was really the communicator of them falling in love. That you feel like because that the scenes, the three scenes beforehand wouldn't wouldn't be enough to build the relationship. So in that moment, he takes out the guitar. Whatever he plays needs you as an artist say yes. I'm 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 into this. I love it. I love it. And and I, when I first have. I heard that Reckless Eric piece, I felt that's it. Yeah, and it's brilliant as well how it goes from, you know, him really beautifully, subtly, just going to strip back and then it goes into the actual track. Yeah. It's just, it's a really great kind of way of, of kind of shifting the tone. Later, I worked with Gemma Atterton on Corner of Souls, and she said to me, "You know, in Strange Fiction, you use this reckless Eric piece." I said, "Yes, you know, he's my uncle." No, yes. no I, way. Yes, I had no idea. No, no, did I? <laughs> so I said, "Oh, I didn't know." <laughs> How? Speaking of, of, you know, stepping into the world of, of Bond, where there's, you know, there's a framework there in terms of the music and the soundscape and and that, that brilliant kind of, you know, John Barry catalogue of things but then working with David Arnold and bringing it and making it your film how is how is that to work as a director and, and I, I truly enjoyed it I, I enjoyed uh, collaborating with David yeah and again you know he he was so because he did so many Bonds films before and, yeah. and honoring you know the history of it but uh, 
but it was just fun giving you know certain things with a uh, little twists and turns mm. to to some some of the tunes and and the recording alone but in in a moment like that you're just honoring the history you don't want to reinvent it too much part of your story. Yes, we changed it enough to make it part of mine, the way I wanted to approach it and have some fun with it. But at the same time, I, I really enjoyed that journey with him. That, that was a lot of fun to build that score. There are certain pieces of iconic film music that, you know, you kind of you make you kind of stand yeah. to attention and working within that and, and being able to play with the bond, they must be a lovely, exciting, oh. childlike thing, maybe. That's what I would feel like. I, absolutely, and, and, and I got goosebumps the, the, the same when, when uh, you, know, you know, usually it was always at the opening and at the, at the bond, at, at, and bond, the barrel shot we put at the end. Yeah. And, and it's sort of like Bond is back, in a sense, uh, because they, they didn't do it on Casino Royale. Well, yeah. Uh, so that's, I and it was sort of the, the sequel to that, and, and I, like, when I was there on the set and we shot it, I, I got the goosebumps. It was the same with David Arnold when we sh when we recorded the theme live with the orchestra. I used to say, this is incredible. This is Bond. Yes. I'm doing Bond. Yes. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm like, like I was blessed enough to, to, to sort of work with some of the great English icons from J.M. Barry of Peter Pan to Bond to now to Winnie the Pooh. I think wow. I, I, that's, uh, that I feel very, very blessed. Do you get in the theme of Bond? So it was Jack White and Alicia Keys that worked on your film. Uh, you know, to be honest, again, um, the original person who was supposed to write the song mm. was Amy Winehouse. Oh wow! So I met with her, and uh, she unfortunately wouldn't wasn't able to write the song yeah. because of uh, certain reasons that she wasn't feeling well. But then uh, I we then Jack White and Alicia Keys came in, and Jack White wrote the song yeah. and did the, the duet.
beautiful. I had Asif Kapadia on the show who made that fantastic Amy yeah. documentary, which was, um, yeah, living kind of two miles up the road from her and, you know, knowing, knowing her through work yeah. and stuff. It was, uh, it's lovely to hear people still talk about yeah, her and the power of work. She's the most lovely human being. So sweet and yeah. kind. Biggest and, heart. Ah, incredible. Yeah. Loved her. Yeah, just a cheeky North London yeah. girl. Yeah, she totally was. How much did your love of film, and I believe that one of the first films you saw at the cinema was Apocalypse Now. Yes, that's right. How much did what you watched as a young film fan inform your choices as a director? More so where contemporary tracks have been used. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain you know, piece of music, obviously with Apocalypse Now's Jim Morrison, The Doors, jumps right at you. I love music. If you're using a song, like we just talked about Reckless Eric, it has an incredible impact on the film. So you have to be always very cautious yeah. what kind of songs you use because the lyrics obviously have an effect on it. And I love sometimes working with bands. You know, in, in World War Z, I used uh, Muse as well. Yeah. I did a, lot, a couple of tracks. Yeah. And so, which was, was a lot of fun. And we didn't use any lyrics of them. It was just, we took the lyrics, some of them we took the lyrics out. It was just the instrumental tracks of some of their songs. Yeah. And it just worked really, really well for yeah. the movie. It's wonderful looking at all the different composers that you've worked with over your films and stuff. At what point do you start thinking about music? You know, from film to film and some movies, I, I think already when I'm in the script stage and yeah. sent uh, the script to the composer, uh, you know, and in some cases, I'm, uh, you know, it comes in later. So it depends again on, on uh, here, on the Chris Robin. I met Johan Johansson right when we were sort of uh, started uh, we're in the middle of through production. We talked in earlier, and he mm -hmm. flew in from Berlin to London. And I had him in the editorial room. I showed him uh, pieces of, of the, the movie, and he got very excited. And we had a lovely dinner, and then and then he started. I said, just start thinking about it, and we kept on feeding him images and and sort of for him to start writing. Yeah. So it it really did depends uh, from movie to movie. I mean, interesting enough, on the Kite Runner, Alberto Iglesias, I gave him the script. Uh, before we started shooting and he wrote the, almost the entire score before I, st I started ever rolling a camera so oh, he just wow. like sent me send me music and then as my editor was cutting he just put in Alberto's music he wrote based on the script and That's then amazing. and then we kept on re re like refining it but he just kept on sending us music and and it was really helpful and um, you know, obviously Alberto is a brilliant musician. He does most of the Almodovar movies, and uh, he, you know, and that particular score is very warm to my heart it's because, beautiful. yes.
masterful position to be in that your composer has, before he's seen anything, has already seen it in his head through just reading the script. Yeah, it's. It, 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 I've tried to, you know, in Alberto's case, you know, I show him lots of images, lots yeah. of what I ever see in my mind. In that case, we also had a book he could read, yeah. and uh, the book is obviously much even. And then David Benioff, who is, you know, creator of the Game of Thrones, wrote the adaptation of the book. Yeah. So uh, the adaptation was beautiful. really had a lot to dive into yeah and uh, he he just uh, tried to learn the culture as well because we're dealing with Afghanistan too I said you I want you to understand the uh, the culture of Afghanistan their music their heritage yeah and and what kind of instru instruments they would use what kind of instrumentations and so that we really honor that culture it was very important to me That's incredible because when we speak to composers, their their biggest kind of bugbear is when they get asked to come and do a project, and the director has used, has used temp score, and they go, you know, can you can you, can you make it a bit like this? Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, that that's that's the thing why I you know sometimes you fall in love with the temp score, yeah. and and you know on on this movie, stay for instance with uh, Ash and Spencer did the score for, for me at the time. I fell in love with Max Richter, <laughs> and I said, you know, let's just keep Max Richter because you can't be, beat Max Richter. Yeah. So, Nobody's going to bet. On this. No, exactly. So we we license it, but uh, but the thing is, is in that case, it's really about. Often I try to get the composer going as mm. early as come because I don't want to fall in love with temp score, yeah. and it and you get so used to it mm. and it evokes an emotion and. I'm really happy about Chris Robin and we, and and here that as we were evolving, even though we had Johan passing, which was yeah. so sad, and we had very little time left, and and John Bryan trying to, is his best to 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 get the score going, mm. uh, going, and Jeff step stepping in as well uh, in the eleventh hour, and so we we had them both working uh, to the end, and literally. I had to deliver the the movie uh, on a Friday, and we were on the scoring stage still on a Monday, and we the last pieces of music went in on a Wednesday to mix it, and we Whoa. we dubbed it on a Thursday, and I delivered it to the studio on a Friday for the release date August third in the states. It was very I never went down so close to the finishing line, but but, but because the thing is we you know you hear the the songs but you haven't seen the, the score, yeah. so you try you you trying to see okay that it feels like one piece and that's yeah. the, the key that that I think between John, John and Jeff that it really feels like one coherent piece of really of does score. really does.
Monsters Ball as well. What can you remember about the... It's a few yeah. years ago. Is it 17 years ago? Yeah, 2001. Wow. Oh, what an amazing film. What can you remember about the music and the relationship in that film? I did this, this little tiny movie, Everything Put Together, which was sort of my first movie, which yeah. I went to Sundance. And, and then after that film, I realized, you know, you still a young filmmaker and you try you you trying to you still learn I mean I, I went to obviously film school and dealt with a lot of music and know what music I liked and not and, and then but you're still growing yeah. as a filmmaker. And in Monsters Ball, you know, it was uh, when we worked with Ash and Spencer it was very uh, you know sort of this this minimalistic approach. about Upclips now, when Monsters Ball, the f opening show, at the beginning there's a fan, and and I don't know if you know the story, no. but we were shooting in New Orleans, and a friend of mine was friends with Francis Ford Coppola, and Francis had a house door, so he, he arranged that we could rent the house and stay there. So I was staying in Francis Ford Coppola's house, and you know, the house in New Orleans, he has all done, it was the furniture of the Godfather, and you have Kurosawa paintings everywhere, and, <gasps> wow. and, and I'm sitting in front of the TV, and I see see Upclips Redux. On, on, on the television, and it was just before he represent, presented 2001. In May 2001, he presented Upclips Redux at Cannes, his recut of Upclips Now. Upclips Now, then, funny enough, is the first film I saw in the movie theater ever when I was a kid. Wow. So, so it was because my parents had no TV, and so I thought, this is full circle. I mean, fancy for Coppola's house. There's Apollo's Redux, he's presenting it, and I couldn't help myself to put the tape in. <laughs> and it was a VHS tape of all. So it was a VHS tape, 2001. Oh, 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 so wow. I have the TV and I started watching it. And, and it's obviously the fan in mm -hmm. the room with Martin Sheen, and I'm just listening again to the soundtrack and, and watch the movie, and you're so in, in engulfed. And I, I said, all right, I'm staying in this house, so I have to do the fan. So I'm going to the, 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 this house and said, we have to install this fan and shoot over it. Uh, to the same shot he has done in, uh, in, in What a great story. Yes. That's an amazing yeah. story. And I, I love never, when and, things and, like that happen. And for I him. never met him. You never was, yet? Not no, yet? No, not yet. And then the other thing is, when I was in the house, uh, he came one night and because he was on his way to Belize because he has a place there. So he came to stop over in New Orleans. So he arrived at night and he left early in the morning. When I woke up, he was already gone. He slept in the guest house and you only could see the cigar was left in the ash. No! <laughs> and it was like I walked down and you just see the, the cigar turning and, and a, 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 a sort of a glass of wine on the side and that was it. Oh my god, he's like and an enigma. <laughs> no, uh, yes, and, and uh, later a few years uh, down, this, uh, I was supposed to go to San Francisco to was invited to his, his ranch there through a friend, but I couldn't make it. it Mark is destined to be some kind of special yeah. Francis Ford Coppola <laughs> meetup. It's got to happen <laughs> like, yes. sometime, That's somewhere. It. You know, but sometimes, you know, they say sometimes it's better not to meet your heroes. 
Yes. <laughs> so, yes. So maybe there's also maybe this. there's a reason yes. why. There's a reason why. There's some fantastic needle drop tracks that you you put in Machine Gun Preacher as well, which I absolutely love. And there's a great, the Chris Cornell, the Keeper, which is a stunning track. Yeah, oh, wow. I, I love that. That uh, there was another sad, sad tragedy. I'm sorry, I, we I just keep seem to be talking about <laughs> lots of tragedies. Yes, Chris yeah. Cornell, who just passed away. <laughs> also, he was such a beautiful man, such a charismatic, mm. beautiful human being, and. What a great artist, and he wrote this, this song. Uh, literally, I was hard, he was nominated for a Golden Globe for it, and yes, there was, was beautiful, The Keeper, yeah. beautiful song. I come from far away, my boots don't know this ground, but they know it's real. It doesn't take too long for this road to become a battlefield. You're obviously a big music fan. You tell from you know your reference points, and you know working with people like Spoon as well, who who are a great, great band and great He's musicians and stuff. Fantastic. And at that time in 2005, they weren't as popular as they yeah. are now. It's that kind of weird thing, isn't it, where you almost want you want to keep them pro you want to keep them secret, <laughs> so that they can just be yours, and yeah. you don't want the rest of the world to know about them. Yeah, I feel like that about you a lot. I'm very happy. About yeah. that. <laughs> just, you know, the interesting thing is I, I love composers, mm. and and and. The reason is, I would like sometimes think, oh, I should, you know, like Steven Spielberg with John Williams. You have a relationship with one composer and work with him over and over again. Yeah. But at the, at the same time, uh, I love them so many of them that I feel like I want to work with this person. I want to work with this person. Yeah. And and it's like that's I'm switching around composers sometimes because they all inspire me in new things and you learn so much every time. Exactly. From from new one, even though sometimes I feel it would be nice to have this, you know, consistency with one person you grow. Yeah. Because I have that a lot. I use the same editor mm -hmm. uh, for many years for almost all my movies. And, you know, I have certain DPs I keep on using yeah. back to back. There were a few times I worked with Ashley Spencer was, and yeah. Monsters Ball, uh, Stay and Machine Gun Preacher. But yeah. Uh, I don't know much about them. They're kind of, they're, they're a bit like, you can't really find out that much about them. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's, 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 it's really only one, one it's one, one person, person. But he, there were, there were two to begin with and yeah. then, and the other person left and then he, he bought the brand. And, okay. and he does mainly a sort of music for uh, commercials. And at the beginning when I, the month I just had no money mm -hmm. and, and he said, oh, I would like to do a film. And yeah. we just had a great collaboration and uh, very, very gifted guys. Yeah.
it's great when when you know when I sit and list and, and look at all the different composers you've worked with. And what was great about about John Bryan was kind of being reminded about all the great soundtracks that he's worked on: Punch Drunk Love, Eternal Sunshine, Lady Bird with with Greta last year, which was amazing, and and Synecdoche, New York as well, which. I watched a couple of years ago again for the first time in ages with Philip Seymour Hoffman and what a great film that is as well. And I guess you know that's kind of what you're saying is that all these composers just have done such great work that to get the chance to work with them is such a great opportunity for you. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. And and it's interesting, you know, you look at certain composers uh, you know who are true, you know, who did so many great scores mm -hmm. and then you look at certain uh, musicians who dance like uh, Trent yeah. or you know the it's like Paul Thomas Anderson has been using Johnny uh, Greenwood yeah, Johnny yeah, yeah. from from Radiohead so it's it's like it's fascinating that uh, you know mm. certain people who are considered you know they're rock stars yeah, and yeah, they yeah. become film composers yeah, yeah. as good as they are rock stars yes yeah <laughs> yes who's on your wish list um, you know there are many great ones I, I, I like to still work and yeah. uh, don't want to well, we don't want to, want to tempt fate <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yeah. or, 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 or jinx it <laughs> yeah exactly what um, is next do you know uh, I'm not sure yet okay. yeah. like after Chris Robin is you know that the message of the movie yeah is about doing the, nothing yeah <laughs> so, and out of nothing exactly something comes Ex yeah. exactly and and it's just uh, in you know like the the movie is about finding joy in life and spending time with people you love mm. and like you just went camping with your family yeah <laughs> so i'm doing something similar <laughs> it was brilliant well listen thank you for sparing the time to chat to us uh in between that and congratulations again real pleasure chatting to you thanks mark all right thank you thank you so much we get high in backseat circles we break into mobile homes we go to sleep to shake up That's the way we get by, so where we get by All that's the way we get by, so where we get by We go out in stormy weather We rarely practice discern We make love to some weird sin We seek out the taciturn Let's do fiction that's the way we get by by spoon rounding off this latest episode of soundtracking with mark forster my huge thanks to mark for taking the time to talk to us what a lovely lovely man christopher robin is on general release around the world now with john bryan and jeff zanelli's score available via walt disney records now you can find a dedicated playlist for this show by searching for soundtracking on spotify or head to edithbowman.com. It gives you every track we've played in full in the order we've played them. edithbowman.com is also the place to catch up with all of our previous episodes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And do rate us on iTunes if you get a minute. Now we're very excited at Soundtracking that we are taking the show out to the BFI on the 6th of September to chat to Irish director Lenny Abramson and his creative team of composer Stephen Rennicks, editor Nathan Nugget and producer Gail Egan. 
We would love to have you join us. There are still a few tickets left to buy, which you can get a link to on our Facebook page or just head to the BFI's website. Next up on soundtracking is British composer Dickon Hinchliffe, who has the most wonderful collection of work in TV and film, and some of you may remember him from his time in Tindersticks. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. (laughs) 